with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Eyes a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Turn indeed. All right, it's been a little, uh, been a little while. I know people are wondering if I'm alive, if I'm dead. That's right. I'm actually doing this uh, podcast. I'm actually doing this show uh, from beyond the grave. It it feels kind of nice. It's uh, it's warm and uh, it's actually quite hot. And there's lots of fire and brimstone all around me. I don't know where I am exactly. Anyway, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. We are live, well, you know, live to tape and uh, worldwide, you know, uh, doing it again for you. Contact information for the program. Listen, it's been a while since I've done this, okay? So just ease up on me. Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, our screen name, Michael Graff Show. You know, somebody asked me... Why do you give out the AOL Instant Messenger if these are podcasts? It's not like you're going to be there. Listen, I have no life. I'm here all the time. If you want to message me at 3 o'clock in the morning, you've just come home from a night of drinking and socializing and sex and partying. And then you're like, I'm going to check out Groff's podcast. I'm going to see what's going on. And you want to send me a message while you're listening to it because you just can't believe somebody is this insane that's on the radio. Then then that's that's great. That's why I'm great. I'm here for you in your hour of need. Yeah, it's not like I sleep or anything. It's uh, I'm I'm here round the clock. All right. Anyway, uh, so it's contact information. Of course, you can join us on our chat channel. You can always go to the one the only michaelgraff.com and at some point. I make this solemn promise to ye. At some point, there will be a bona fide, superb, fantastical website. The website goddess shall shower her HTML and JavaScript upon me. And I will be blessed with a good website. Until such time, though, it is what it is. All right, so thank you for joining us. Um... It has been a little bit of time since we've been on the air. And, you know, some things have changed. There's been, uh, there's, there have been a few changes, a few things that have gone down uh, since our last show. First of all, I think I, uh, I have here a, uh, well, it's not often that I'm asked to, uh, to give a eulogy. But um, 
unfortunately, uh, I, I think it's only appropriate um, that we do this here. It's uh, this is this is a very sad day. Uh, it's a very sad. Uh, it's been a very sad month or so for uh, for the United States. a very sad time for the constitution of this country and it is because of that that I I must bring you the following news and I must uh, listen I haven't uh, you think a a guy like me who's been on the radio for a long time and I've done this kind of show I've done these broadcasts and you'd think that I'd be able to speak extemporaneously especially but um, and that you know I'd be asked to give eulogies quite frequently but I've only had to do it a couple of times in my life and uh, this is this is one of those times I do not this is not something I do out of out of glee or happiness at all, but uh, I'd just like to say a few words about your friend and mine. Someone, something that's been with us here in the United States for the better part of 235 years. I'm, of course, speaking of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. It's been a great part of our, of our history, our legacy... A concept that was well ahead of its time. When Thomas Jefferson and James Madison gave birth to such a noble idea, I think they had no idea that such a concept would forever change the landscape of not only this country, but the way that law enforcement and the way that citizens and uh, the people of many nations are viewed around the world. And the Fourth Amendment, though it certainly had its trials, its ups and downs throughout uh, the last two centuries plus, it's been here. It's been with you. Anytime you needed it. Anytime someone dared to act in an unreasonable manner for search and seizures, when somebody tried to expose for lack of a better term, your right to privacy. There it was. It was always in your corner. It was there with you anytime you needed it, day or night. Oh, Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution, we shall miss you. What a uh, revolutionary idea. Again, if you'll pardon the pun. The right for citizens to be secure in their in their persons. I know what a concept. You left us so slowly, you slipped through our fingers before we even knew what had come and gone. Many people took you for granted. Not me. Oh. It's a sad day. It's a sad time. And maybe one day, hopefully someday, sometime soon, there will be a time in this nation where we will get to experience your warmth, your protective hand upon us once again. Until that time, though, 
We all live in the shadow of your memory. Oh, Fourth Amendment. Unfortunately, there's uh, there's many of you, many people out there who apparently are um, are cheering in your demise, or are at least sort of brushing it off as if it's no big deal. But not me. I take it very seriously. So I thought I would say a few words on behalf of the Fourth Amendment, and uh, since uh, it too seems to be, uh, since it, it went down the the dirge of uh, other amendments of our Constitution that were assaulted and taken from us, stripped from us, you know, like the Fourteenth Amendment, the First Amendment. Many times uh, the Second Amendment even uh, gets trounced on. But of course, no, nothing has taken a beating more than the Fourth Amendment to our own Constitution. And it's very sad and it's very unfortunate. And uh, I, it's, this is not, this is not a, a day to feel glorious, to feel triumphant. It's a, a very sad occurrence, unfortunately. Yeah, that's just one thing that happened uh, while we've been on our little hiatus here. And maybe I'll get into some of that as well, uh, the, uh, the time away from the show. But uh, I have to tell you that um, that's of all things that have gone on, the death of the Fourth Amendment in this country has really hit me very hard. And I'm not uh, being melodramatic. I'm not being facetious here. I'm telling you right now that uh, this is something. And I think the reason that it bothers me most is because, well, frankly, it bothers me most because so many people just allowed it to happen and have actually sort of embraced Embrace this situation. And I'll come back to that. Uh, we had, um, we have, uh, we have other big news uh, to talk about. We have to talk about the, uh, well, we have to talk about the lame duck session of Congress, tax cuts. Certainly, we're going to talk about this federal judge that has struck down the Obamacare, uh, saying that it is unconstitutional. This is exactly what I've been saying for months. It is unconstitutional for the government to mandate that you pay for something, such as health insurance. It is unconstitutional. You just, you can't do it. And uh, God forbid we actually still use the Constitution in this country, even though we are killing it very slowly. But of course, the big controversy that went on uh, while we were away was this, uh, this notion of the body scanners. What's going on at America's airports? This is something we've been talking about on this show for years. The concept of body scanners in airports. And uh, we warned you that this was coming. And that this is not something you should be surprised about. Body scanners and what they call uh, aggressive pat-downs, where they basically, it's full-on legalized rape, uh, where they just, they pat you down, they totally take you, and, um, and well, um, it is. It's, it's complete fondling. It's groping and fondling on a legal scale, a courtesy of your friends at the, uh, of, at the TSA. And that's exactly what they do to you. They aggressively fondle you. And we told you that this was coming and that it was going to hit very soon. We, we've been talking about it for several years. I don't know why. It took a long time for it to get here. And um, now it's in place. And people were surprised. Of course, uh, right, it occurred right. It got implemented right before, not so coincidentally, right before the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And people were, not only were they surprised, but they just, they couldn't even imagine. They couldn't even believe that this was going on. They couldn't believe that uh, that the TSA and that the federal government and everybody was uh, behind this and the idea of body scanners. I don't know why you're surprised by this. 
Now, I have many thoughts on this, and I am I'm appalled, okay? I am totally appalled at the very notion of body scanners. If you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know that. You know that the idea of, of your personal... Your body, your personal liberty, your security being infringed upon by the government uh, in any way, shape, or form is appalling to me. But I think what I'm most appalled by, actually, is the fact that you, and I say you, the American people, have let it happen. Yes, I'm upset with Janet Napolitano. Yes, I'm upset with the Obama administration. Yes, I'm upset with Republicans and Democrats. This is not even a partisan issue, by the way. Because there are Democrats and Republicans that have been opponents to this, and there are Democrats and Republicans that have been proponents to this. So this is this is uh, this is cross party lines on both sides. But I have to tell you, I'm not even upset with the government. I'm not upset with the TSA. I'm not upset with Homeland Security over any of this. I'm upset with you, the American people, for allowing this to happen, and I'll explain why. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm out uh, with the family. We're out having a couple of drinks, and uh, they couple of uh, a couple of uh, you know my mom's friends come by uh, this table that we're at and they start talking and, and everybody gets to talking about various things that are going on and then the issue of the body scanners comes up and everybody to a man and woman except for my mom's boyfriend Charlie and myself everyone else said pretty much this well you know if I can be a little bit more secure, uh, if 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 I'm gonna get on a plane, I want to make sure that it's safe. So I'm willing to uh, I'm willing to be scanned or I'm willing to be patted down. That's fine as long as I'm safe. And I, all I could think about was the Ben Franklin quote that we've put on the show many times. I mean, those that would sacrifice uh that would sacrifice safety for a little bit of liberty deserve uh they deserve neither. Or they, those that would sacrifice liberty for a little bit of safety deserve neither. And that's the point. It was unbelievable to me. To a person, everybody around said the same thing. And then I said, wait a minute. So you're telling me you're willing to compromise your liberty so that you can feel safer. You're willing to give up something tangible, which is your Fourth Amendment right to privacy. You're willing to just be able to be exposed in front of God knows who. Those TSA people, perverts that work there, God knows. You're willing to get hit with radiation so that you feel safer. Meanwhile, as I explained to them, I said, you, you do understand that these body scanners, they don't detect chemicals. If somebody walks on a plane with chemicals, you realize that those body scanners don't see that, right? You realize that 9-11 would have happened whether they had body scanners or not. Those guys that brought box cutters on, you realize that they would have been able to get those box cutters on no matter what. And even if they didn't, you know 9-11 had nothing to do with the box cutters, right? It had nothing to do with that. And I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm trying to explain to these people. And they say, and, and the problem is, is they've been such, they've been fear-mongered, they've been brainwashed to death to just, so their immediate reaction is, well, if you feel that way, then you get on the plane. You get on the plane that's going to get blown up. I'm not going to be subjected to that. And I thought this is total security theater. You you are the victims of complete fear mongering. And you are the victims of security theater. It's the old line that we use on this show time and again. Airport security is in place to make white people feel safer. Uh, Chris Rock said that so years ago. And, and I, I have to tell you, it's the most brilliant line I think that's ever come out of anybody's mouth. 
And it's the truth. Airport security is there to make white people feel safer. And that's all it does. It makes you feel safer. It's a placebo effect at best. But it doesn't make you any safer. First of all, if somebody wants to blow up a plane badly enough, you do understand that it's going to happen. You understand that all the security in the world is not going to stop somebody from putting chemicals inside their body cavities or have breast implants or they're going to put powder in a shoe or they're going to put it in their in their underwear. They're going to do something and they're going to be able to get it on the plane. So all of the security measures that you put forth in on planet Earth, none of them are going to stop that from happening. That's number one. Number two, we've done the story on the on the show before cautioning about um, uh, Islamic uh, terrorists using shoulder mounted surface to air missiles from miles away from the airport. You tell me how a body scanner is going to stop a shoulder mounted surface to air missile. Not going to happen. 9-11 happened because we had cockpit doors that were not reinforced it's so interesting when you go back and you look at the history because this is what i've this is what i've done because i i went through a whole litany of research about all of this so you know back in the 70s uh the the standard became that you know we, we had a couple of hijackings uh of aircraft across the world and so they figured that the best way to prevent that was would be to have reinforced doors in the cockpit so it'd be harder for a would-be hijacker of a plane to get access to the cockpit. So most airlines around the world upgraded all of their aircraft to these stronger cockpit doors. But here in the United States, what happened was the airline industry lobbied Congress and said, we don't want to do that. And Congress said, well, why? And the airline industry came back and said, well, because it would cost between eighty dollars to $100,000 per plane to have these uh, to have this uh, these upgrades done to the cockpit door. Now, of course, if you ask me, it's completely worth it. If you ask me, I mean, that's it. Just makes sense that that's what you'd want to do. You'd want to actually have a reinforced cockpit door. You'd actually want to be safer. You'd actually, you know, you'd you'd want that for your for your aircraft and for your passengers. Not that we had a big terrorist incident. Uh, here in the United States, but we did have uh, aircraft that would occasionally, you know, once in a while, a guy would come on and he'd try and hijack a plane and take it to Cuba or, you know, something like that. Obviously, never anything that like 9-11. But of course, on 9-11, what happened was these guys, because the airline industry resisted back in the 70s, they still never got, most airliners did not have the reinforced cockpit door. So, of course, the uh, the hijackers on 9-11 were able to get access to the cockpit much easier because of that very situation. That's why they were able to do it. Nothing more than that. So you see, once again, it just has to do with the fact that, um, you know, uh, the, the airline. And again, this was only in the United States and I believe in Canada as well. I think only in the United States and Canada did they not uh, upgrade these aircraft to the standard and now of course now it is so you see and i've always said that airliners are um they're unhijackable now anyway um, we've done countless stories about people that have tried to uh either open an exit door or open a cockpit door on an aircraft and the passengers revolt and the passengers get up and they stop them there was that story about a guy over australia who uh, they, they he tried to open the cockpit door and a bunch of uh, passengers jumped the guy. They totally strangled him. 
He was strangled. So that should tell you right there. That's all you need to know about that situation. So this all goes back to my point about this and what I was arguing with these people about. And I just I couldn't believe that these people were willing to give up their Fourth Amendment rights so easily. All for security theater, all for theatrics, all for a show that's being put on. And I said, well, who is really behind this? What force is behind uh, these body scanners going in? Well, of course, when you look into it further... You see that, uh, you know, who's got the contract. This is all a con. It's all a contracted service. It's all done uh, from, well, uh, of course, Michael Chertoff. Well, he's back. That's good. Michael Chertoff is back in our lives once again. And it's a $7 billion contract that our government has uh, with these folks that make these body scanners. $7 billion industry for these body scanners. So that tells you what it is. Our Fourth Amendment got sold for $7 billion. That's a, that's a pretty cheap price for a slice of your liberty. Would you sell part of your liberty for $7 billion? Well, that's exactly what the government did. The government totally just sold you out for $7 bucks. Thanks, Michael Chertoff. Thanks, Janet Napolitano. Thanks, Barack Obama. Once again, this is not a partisan issue because there are Republicans and Democrats that are outraged by this. They can't even believe this. But of course, the bottom line is is they can't get too outraged because here's the other part that really is going to get you. So all of you, all of us, every Joe Lunch pail in this audience right now, every single one of you, you get to go through the body scanners at the airport. Or if you decline that, you get to have an aggressive pat down where they get to feel your junk uh, I'm surprised, I'm really surprised they don't just strip you naked and, and insert objects into your body cavities. I'm really surprised they don't just do that at this point. But anyway, uh, so uh, every one of you out there, you get you have to go through that. But guess what? Congress decided they don't have to go through that. Congress made the decision that they're above that. Congress has decided that they don't have to do it. They don't have to go through the aggressive pat-downs. They don't have to go through the body scanners. Well, that was nice of Congress to make that decision. The president certainly isn't going to do that. The president, his wife, his family, any part of the president's entourage, nobody has to go through that. So it doesn't affect them. It's just with any government, this is the problem with our government. Our government is not a representative democracy anymore. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not even separate but equal. Yeah, everyone's equal except some people are more equal than others. That's the problem. And you have a very out-of-touch government right now. And, uh, you know, when they don't have to go through these scanners. And, you know, the other aspect to this, and the, the not just the Fourth Amendment aspect. Okay, taking away the most important argument here, let's also look at the fact that we don't know who these TSA people are. We don't know what kind of background check that they've had. We don't know what kind of rigorous screening process they go through for these TSA agents. And you know that these scanners, they can see. They see right through your clothes. They see all your goodies. They see all of your, they see your genitals. They see everything, okay? So imagine, you have like a three-year-old walks through there. A five-year-old, little kids and adults and, and elderly, everybody. They walk through there. What's to stop some, you know, wannabe pedo chomo uh, TSA agent? From looking through, and they see like, you know, some five-year-old kid walk through. I mean, that's like kitty porn to them because they get to see right through their clothes. 
And somehow that doesn't offend any of you. That doesn't bother you. That doesn't bother you that we have unknown people. These are not people. Who knows who these people are? Yeah, I'm sure most of the people that work for the TSA are good, honest, hardworking folks. They're just regular people. I mean, I've met many of them. I'm on a first name basis with some of them down at Sky Harbor because they always seem to pull me aside every time. There's a guy, the black guy that works down there named Frank, a really nice guy. You know, I ask him how the wife and kids are doing. He asks me how I'm doing. And, you know, we, we just, we talk, you know, so it's great. But I'm just saying that um, some of these people, you don't know. You don't know. Some of these people could very well be pedophiles. Never mind that even. Let's also remember that we're taking TSA people. And now that we're using these body scanners, you know, those things put out a lot of radiation. Backscatter machines, uh, body scanners. They put off a lot of radiation. And uh, every scan that they do, these TSA agents are being exposed to that. And they're being exposed to that for eight hours a day, every single day. What do you think is going to happen to those people in five or 10 or 20 or 30 years after they've been exposed to, you know, millions of millirads of radiation? Over that time, because it is a cumulative effect, you know, radiation is one of those things, you know, it's not like uh, you, 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 it's not like chocolate where you have a little bit of it, then you go and you exercise and you burn it off. And then tomorrow you're back and, you know, you can, you can take in another few thousand uh, millirads. No, it doesn't work that way. Radiation is a cumulative effect and it has damaging effects, obviously, to the skin, uh, to the organs of the body, to the bones, everything. And we're going to be exposing these TSA agents to that over and over and over again. And we're going to be doing that for years. And of course, anybody that goes through there, babies are being scanned. Imagine you put a child through there or you put an elderly person or somebody that that has a legitimate excuse. You know, there's a story. And again, there's so many of these stories. I could do just a podcast on this entire incident. So there's a story here about a woman that uh, she would not go through the body scanner because she had cancer. And she had a note from a doctor that said that she wasn't going to do it. And they said, okay, fine, we're going to pat you down. And she said, well, I don't want that. I don't want to be violated. I don't want to be patted down. Then, so, But of course, they, they said, well, then you're not going to get on the plane. You're not going through here. We had another we had other people that have been victims of rape in their lives and they said I don't want to be patted down. Well guess what they they got patted down anyway. Then we have a story of a guy who was uh, at the Detroit airport. He flew from Atlanta. I guess he was flying from I don't know, let's see. His plane got diverted. He was flying out of Atlanta and then uh, I guess he got diverted to Detroit. Which I mean, I don't, I can't imagine a greater hell uh, on on Earth than being diverted to Detroit, the possible exception of, I don't know, Canada or something. But anyway, so he got he gets diverted to Detroit, and uh, while he's there, you know, he says they they make him go through the scanner. He goes, listen, I, I have a medical condition, I can't go through here. Uh, they were patting him down. They're like, what's this? He had a. Um, What's it called? It's not a colostomy bag. It's a, I think it's just called an ostomy bag. You know, basically, he pees into a bag and it like runs under his arm or I don't know. It's, it's so, of course, what wound up happening was they were doing this aggressive pattern. They're like, what's this? They started to explore it. He's like, no, leave that alone. He said, it's, med- you know, it's a legitimate medical issue. 
And next thing you know, it you know that this it, it comes apart, and urine goes all over him. So he, he he you know his own urine flows all over him, and they make him seem like the bad guy here. So now th- there's a lawsuit. You can bet on that. That's gonna be that's gonna be a suit, and it should be. But this is my point. This is the problem. We're putting in this security theater. We're putting this stuff in there. We're we're gonna we're gonna screen people. We're gonna send people through scanners. We're gonna send people through these aggressive pat downs. And there's no reason to do it. It doesn't prevent anything. It doesn't make you safer. It does nothing. It is pointless. It is a p- completely pointless endeavor. And the sad thing is, is so many of you out there believe that it actually makes you safer. And so many of you out there actually believe that this is necessary. And why do you believe that? Because who told you? Who told you that it was a necessary thing? Well, you heard it on TV. Or Katie Couric said so. Or, you know, over that on the Today Show. Somebody, somebody in the media said, ah, oh, well, it's necessary. You got it browbeat into you. Congratulations, you got fear-mongered. You heard this, you, you well, uh, we've got to fight terrorism. Big bad Muslim is going to come and get us. Because if they want to get you, once again, they're going to get you. If, if, the, if, the, if a Muslim terrorist, okay, what if a Muslim terrorist, what if they go, you know, blowing up planes isn't really that fun anymore. We're going to go on city buses and blow ourselves up. Well, there's no scanner at a bus stop. There's not even a metal detector. There's no wands. There's no security. There is nothing to stop somebody from getting on a city bus on a daily basis and just walking on with a handgun and opening fire. There's nothing to stop people from doing that. That's what's called living in a free society. Those are the risks. If you're so fearful that when you step out of your house, you're going to get killed by by an exploding Muslim guy... You're, you're so scared, you're going to walk out of your house, and next thing you know, uh, somebody's just liable to open fire or blow themselves up or something's going to happen. Well, I don't know what to tell you then. You've got, what is that, agoraphobia? or uh, Well, agoraphobia, I think, is fear of open spaces. But you've got, you've got a, a phobia. You've, you've got an, a, an unnatural fear if that's what's your problem. Because I know that if I was an Islamic terrorist, okay, if I was one of these uh, one of these Wahhabists, okay, I was one of these radical Islamic fundamentalists, and I decided, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to kill me as many Americans as possible. First of all, I wouldn't even bother with going on a plane and doing it anymore. It's just too much work. I'd go and do it on a bus. Are you gonna? Are we gonna start putting in uh, body scanners on our light rail systems, on our train systems, on our bus systems? What are we gonna do? Every every uh, two blocks here in the Phoenix area, because there's a bus stop every like two blocks. Every two blocks in Phoenix, we're going to staff somebody to be there and and uh, and run a body scanner before somebody can get on a bus. Are we going to set up security checkpoints? Is that what we're going to do? Well, you might as well start doing that. You you better start doing that if that's what you want for the future of this country, so you can feel safe. I mean, I bet you'd probably feel pretty safe if every uh, if every few hundred feet you had a body scanner someplace and you had somebody that had a uniform on with a big shiny badge and they were there to screen you. Or I don't know, maybe you could just live in this free society and accept the fact that, you know, every once in a while somebody's going to go nuts at a school or... Uh, 
um, in, a, in an office building or on a plane or at an airport or on a bus or something, and they're going to open fire. And uh, you're just going to have to accept that that is one of the consequences of living in this free society. Let me ask you this. You know, LL Airlines, uh, LL, uh, they're over there in the belly of the beast, so to speak. Down there, they're, they're in Israel. How is it that they don't have regular hijackings? How is it that they don't have their planes getting blown up all the time? We all know how the Arabs feel about the Jews. We all know how the Islamic folks feel about the Jews. Why aren't they getting blown up every five seconds by, uh, by air, uh, on their airlines? Yeah, they're getting blown up every five seconds by Palestinians. But that aside, they're not getting, but their airlines aren't getting blown up. Why is that? What do they have that we don't? Do they have body scanners? No. El Al, they don't have body scanners. Matter of fact, all they have, they have people that walk up and down lines and they profile people. They do a psychological profile based on how people are acting and they are vigilant. They watch people carefully, but they don't run them through scanners. And it's weird They haven't had an incident on any of their airliners in over 40 years. How is it that they go 40 40 years plus without an incident? And uh, and we only had one. We had 9-11, which was incredibly tragic and just horrible. We had had, uh, that. And then if, if we haven't had an incident here before that for many, many years, how is it that they had that and they don't even have body scanners? They have a lot less, they have more lax security than we do in a lot of ways. I mean, they have more security people around and more people watching people, but they have, they don't have any body scanners. How is it that they've gone 40 years without an incident? How does that happen? Well, once again, it it just shows you, you've been, you've been fear mongered into it rather than just going, because here in this country, we can't profile people. In this country, we can't walk around and do any kind of psychological profile. We can't just look at people. We can't watch people. But we certainly can run them through a scanner where their entire body and their genitals are exposed to anybody and everybody that can see it. And we don't know what happens to those scans, by the way, and those pictures. We can certainly do that. We can compromise people's Fourth Amendment rights. But God forbid if we dare profile somebody. God forbid if we look at people that are acting suspiciously. We don't want to do that, but we will subjugate them to a uh, to an unconstitutional search. We will treat them as if they are criminals because in this country I always understood it that in this country we had the we had the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And we could not search people unless we had a reasonable suspicion that they had committed a crime. But instead what we're doing is We're taking every single person and running them through a body scanner without any sort of reasonable suspicion of crime. Well, to me, that just seems like the first step. That just seems like the first in a slippery slope bunch of steps that is going to lead to nothing but trouble. And, uh, and you know, I got to tell you, that scares me. That really, really scares me. And I think what scares me most about it is that, again, people are letting it happen. In this country, we have people that are sitting there and uh, they are actively allowing this to occur. They don't care. Fourth Amendment, Schmorf Amendment. Who cares? And if that's the attitude that you truly take, then I, uh, I have to tell you, I feel sorry for you. Actually, I don't feel sorry for you. 
feel sorry for this country. Well, I want to feel safer when I get on the plane. I, I'm willing. It's like, remember when we played that, that bit from uh, the Channel 2 News uh, in New York? Remember we, we played some of those uh, clips? I wonder if we still have that. I got to see if we still have that because I, I got to play that one woman that goes, well, I, you know, I, I'm willing to, I'm willing to feel, I'm willing to give up a little uh, secure, a little, uh, a little freedom so that I feel secure when I get on the plane. <laughs> that laugh. Remember that laugh she had? Hold on. We, I got to see if we still have that. I, I, I really should have prepared for this, but I, I, I just thought of that now. I thought of that report. We did this on, um. On a on the show, uh, not that long ago. Let's see here. Here we go. Here, here it is. This was the report. Let me see. I don't want to play the whole thing. Here's uh, the idea of a close. All right, hold on. You know, when I really think about it, it, it oh, so well, this is okay. Yeah. At first, it caught me off guard, but then yeah. you know, when I really think about it, 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 it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. It, it, people can get so creative with trying to hide things now, so. If it, like I said, it, it all comes down to safety. Traveler Precious Broussard. Yeah, see, that was just horrible. And then here's here's the other asinine woman in this in this report. This is ridiculous. It is a little bit more intimate, but I'd rather you be intimate and me get on the plane safely. <laughs> the TSA's position. What a what a dummy! Those are the people I was arguing with out at the restaurant a couple of weeks ago, though. It is a little bit more intimate, but I'd rather you be intimate and I could get on the plane. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is the same kind of crap, you know, when they, when they come for the First Amendment. You know, first they came for my Fourth Amendment and I didn't do anything. And then they, they came for my, my Second Amendment and I didn't do anything. And then they came for me. Well, I'd rather you be intimate and I get on the plane. <laughs> oh. I mean, every time I hear that, it grinds. I mean, you know, this is what I've been thinking about the last four or five weeks that we haven't been on the air. This is what I've been thinking about. So I've been thinking about the entire time. I'd rather you be intimate with me to get on the plane. I mean, you're, you're serious about that? Fine. Why don't you let one of those TSA people uh, uh, cram an object into your hoo-ha? Well, as long as it's for the purposes of getting on the plane safely, I don't care. <laughs> nuts. You people are nuts. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened to this country. 20 years ago, if I would have said to you that we, this would be happening, you would look at me like I'm insane. You'd say, it'll never happen. Nobody in this country will allow something like this to happen. It, it's just not possible. Now, here we are. Here we are, 2010. The death of the Fourth Amendment. It's gone. It's out. It's done. I can't, that, that woman, you know, I, I know we did this on another podcast, and I know you're going to say, oh, you're just recycling material. I, I have to tell you, I mean, this, is, this has gone on now uh, since uh, over the Thanksgiving break, and now here we are. We're coming up on Christmas here in a couple of weeks. We're less than two weeks away from Christmas going to happen again i mean really Un unbelievable it is a little bit more intimate but i'd rather you be intimate and me get on the plane safely <laughs> than not the yeah, than not i'd rather you violate me sexually and i get on the plane than not what if so see here's the thing though that woman if she had children and i said what if i said to you what if i said to you 
you know, I think there's somebody in your neighborhood that is uh, hiding explosives. All right. I don't know who it is and I don't know in what house it is, but we have to go through and we have to check everybody. And uh, we have to, you know, we're going to strip search your children. We're going to look in their body cavities. We're going to look at everywhere because we don't know who's hiding the explosives in your neighborhood. We're going to go house to house and search. And if I said that to you, you'd go, oh, come on, Mike. Come on. That's insane. Why would it be insane for me to go into your house and search for suspected explosives? I mean, I'm looking out for the safety of the neighborhood. I don't know whose house they're in. And, uh, you know, but you'd say, well, I mean, it's my house, Mike. That's my private space. Really? Your body isn't your private space, but your house is? Huh. Well, that's interesting. So you're saying that uh, if I just came to your house randomly and searched for explosives, I would be, I would be, I'd be searching you without provocation. I'd be engaging in a search without really any suspicion. What's the difference? What's the difference in that kind of a search or or the kind of search at an airport? Airports are just, listen, they're, uh, it's public, you know, it's taxpayer dollars that fund many of these airports. This isn't done by the airline itself. This isn't done by Delta or U.S. Airways or Southwest Airlines. This is done at an airport by the government, TSA agents, under the guise of security, the Homeland Security. You know, this is all uh, Janet Napolitano and all those people that, that have helped to put this together. And their justification is, well, passengers are just going to have to deal with it. You know, we need to protect our, our air, our, uh, our, our aircraft, and we need to protect our citizens. And the best way to protect them is to, is to compromise their rights. But trust us, we're the government. We know what's best. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. All right. Um, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on uh, AOL Instant Messenger. That is our screen name over there. You can always uh, get in contact with us uh, via that avenue. Uh, our PayPal address is also Mike at KMGX.com. Again, uh, always encourage you to uh, to uh, hit us up with a, a donation. You know, uh, if you want to help uh, keep our show going. I know we've uh, been away for a little while. Listen, I'm I'm trying. You know, we're we're working at it. Okay. Uh, but we are back. Here we are. We're doing a show for you. We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about. We've got to talk about the lame duck session of Congress, uh, tax cuts, why Democrats are so upset with President Obama. Uh, this is great. There's, there's a major split among the Democrats or the so-called progressive movement in this country. And, and I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, some, people, they, some people have such incredible disdain for rich people in this country, uh, such incredible disdain for the wealthy that they're willing to compromise. They're willing to they're willing to uh, sacrifice the middle class because of their incredible disdain for the upper class. And of course, it's a lot of people that don't really understand the basic economics of the situation that we're in right now. And frankly, um, 
it just shows once again that it doesn't matter which who's in control of Congress. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat-controlled House because right now we're still under the Democrat-controlled House and it's still just as bad as under the Republicans. It's unbelievable. All right, so we've got that. We, we'll, uh, we'll get into that just a little bit more and, uh, and, and certainly, um, certainly talk about that and so much more. All right. It's uh, the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. And we'll be back. What the devil is that ghastly noise? The Michael Groff Show. the zip code famous Michael Grav show on a Monday. You know, I didn't even mention. Yes, Monday, December 13th, 2010. And uh, yeah, the year almost unbelievable. And you know, it's weird. We started doing this incarnation of uh, the Michael Grav show, these uh, podcasts. Uh, almost a, a year ago, we started doing just the podcast only version of uh, this show. When it was uh, Michael Grav in exile. Happily, we're not in exile anymore. It kind of feels like it sometimes. Sort of are in exile in a way. All right, coming up in the show also, we've got to take a look at the pop chart. It's been a long time since we've browsed the pop chart, so we're going to have to do that, see what's happening in the world of uh, top 40 music, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll take a look at that. Also, I did promise, and I, I still remember this. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I remember the last show that we had. I did promise to get to some of the uh, listener feedback, listener emails and whatnot. So I, I promise I'm going to do that, including a great piece of hate mail. Somebody absolutely reams me. Somebody rips me a new one. And we're going to get to that in just a, a little bit as well. So you, you are definitely going to want to stick around for that. Um. I have to mention this. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. Uh, that is also our PayPal address if you want to make uh, monetary contributions uh, to this program. Mike at KMGX.com. It's a tough word contribution. Sometimes I do have a hard time saying it. Um, AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Groff Show. And that is always available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can always just yell at me, scream at me, whatever you want. I, uh, I always try to uh, respond to all of the messages, anything, including the death threats. 
So your emails, anything that you uh, send, that is always encouraged. So uh, do keep that up as well. 12 days until Christmas. Uh, my Christmas shopping haven't even bothered yet. Just throwing that out there. That's a good economy. That's what's going on. All right, so a federal judge has struck down the Obamacare, at least a key part of it. And this is interesting because uh, now we have legitimate constitutional issues being brought up by the courts about forcing people to pay for uh, health insurance. In a 42-page ruling, U.S. Judge Henry E. Hudson said that the law's requirement that most Americans carry insurance or pay a penalty, quote, exceeds the Constitution's boundaries of congressional power. The individual mandate, quote, would invite unbridled exercise, unbridled exercise, rather, of uh, federal police powers. Uh, Judge Hudson also wrote in the Eastern District of Virginia, quote, at its core, this dispute is not simply about regulating the business of insurance or crafting a scheme of universal health insurance coverage. It's about an individual's right to choose to participate. The lawsuit brought by Virginia Attorney uh, General Ken Kuchenely uh, is the first court ruling against the law since President Barack Obama signed it back in March. More than 20 federal lawsuits have been filed against the overhaul, and judges in two other of these cases have ruled in favor of Obama's health care and uh, the administration. Now, while the ruling creates a headache for the law's supporters, it doesn't mean that states or the federal government have to stop the implementation of the law. However, um, yeah, they, the, the judge, yeah, he says here he did not grant the plaintiff's request for an immediate nationwide injunction against the entire law or against the requirement that most Americans carry insurance. That requirement, which is known as the individual mandate, begins in 2014. The judge also said that the ruling only applies to the individual mandate and the provisions of the law that are directly dependent on it. However, uh, you know, this is eventually, this is going to go to a higher uh, appeals court, and then this is going to go to the Supreme Court of the United States, and they're ultimately going to have to decide whether or not you, the citizens, have to participate in something, whether you want to or not. Now, this isn't like uh, our so-called volunteer tax system, which, of course, isn't volunteer at all. Because if you don't pay, you go to jail. This is a different thing. But, you know, it is weird. This no, At no time in the history of the United States have we ever mandated that you purchase anything. Um, you could make the argument that uh, states require you to participate. States require you to buy insurance on a vehicle. Well, that's true, but you don't have to own a vehicle. You don't have to own a car. I don't. I don't own a car. And actually, simply having ownership of a car doesn't require you to, to have insurance either, I don't think. But the, the, the difference between all that is, those, that's, that's states' rights right there. Having insurance, that is up to the states. Although, it's sort of extortion because then the federal government says, well, if you don't participate in this, if you don't participate in this law, uh, just like with the drinking age being 21, if you don't participate in that, then we're not going to give you federal highway funds. So it is sort of, uh, a, a, so it is sort of federally mandated. But the point in all this is, you can choose not to own a vehicle. You can choose not to pay the insurance. Just don't drive. 
But in this case, you can't, you have no choice over whether or not you can get the health care. You have to get it or you're going to pay a fine. Now, uh, this all, of course, this ties into another aspect of uh, what's going on right now, and that is the lame duck session of Congress. And Democrats are very upset with the Obama administration. And this is fascinating. They're upset with Obama because he's actually capitulated to the Republicans. He's actually sort of compromised with the Republicans in a Bill Clinton-esque style. Uh, Barack Obama has decided that he is going, he, he wants uh, the, the latest draft, which is sort of to extend the Bush era tax cuts to everybody, including the upper 2%. Uh, they they want to extend these uh, tax cuts because they're, they're set to expire here at the end of the year. And, of course, the lame duck session of Congress is due to end here in just uh, a couple more days. And they want to extend uh, the Bush-era tax cuts. Now, um, many on the Democratic side, or at least some people on the Democratic side, they don't want to extend these tax cuts. Well, they don't want to extend the tax cuts to the upper 2%. Um, but they are, of course, willing to extend the tax cuts to the lower 98% here. Other Democrats feel that it's best to compromise. It's best that 98% get what they want and that we can still, I guess, you know, continue and extend the tax cuts as well to the upper 2%. Republicans are all about uh, the tax cuts all the way across the board. They just want to see the tax cuts extended. Now, here's the problem. There's a couple of problems here. Number one, I find it fascinating that in the, and, and I listen to a lot of different shows and there's a lot of different talking heads. And, you know, there are some people in the progressive movement that uh, feel that it's best that Barack Obama's doing the right thing here. Uh, they're not really thrilled about it, but they think that he's doing the right thing by sort of uh, agreeing because he knows, listen, the Republicans, they're going to take power in the House here. Uh, he'll have a much slimmer majority in the Senate. So he knows that uh, if he wants to get anything done, he better start playing ball now. But some Democrats feel the guy should just stand up on principle. No tax cuts for the rich. You know, the, the old stand uh, stand by here. And it's not even a tax cut. It's just the extension of a tax cut that was issued eight years ago. It's extending those tax cuts. And the tax cuts would also be extended not just to the upper 2%, but to just about everybody. Here's the problem, though, with this bill is... Um, that uh, there, there is, uh, the, the one issue here is that the taxes will actually increase. There is going to be a tax increase on the lowest tax bracket, which I don't understand how you can have tax cuts and then you're going to pass along a tax increase to the lowest tax bracket. This is, this again shows you that it doesn't matter whether it's a Republican-controlled House of Representatives or a Democrat-controlled House. It's all messed up. They're ostensibly the same party. There, there's The tax policy in this country is ludicrous to begin with. The fact that uh, most Americans don't even know how much they paid in taxes last year. They don't know where their tax dollars are going. They don't feel that the government is, is spending them responsibly. And then uh, now you're talking about a tax increase on the lowest bracket. Look, look at this. The tax rate on people making $20,000 a year or less or joint filings of $40,000 a year or less. Their taxes are set to increase from 10% to 15% under this, this very proposal. This is why it's a bad idea. And to me, I have no problem with a tax cut for people that are in the top 2% of the bracket because uh, unfortunately, whether you want to admit this or not and whether you like this or not, 
And whether you have class envy or not, you have to understand that the upper 2%, those are the people that make the jobs in this country. Those are the people that are part of the driving force to this economy. They have the corporations. uh, They make the businesses. uh, They employ people. And um, they need... and, and, And look, I don't think it's as simple as eliminating taxes. I don't think it's as simple as cutting taxes to a ridiculously low level. It's there's there's a lack of comprehension of the tax policy in this country on both sides of the aisle. But one thing I do know for certain, when you have a down economy and in spite of what the president tells you, we're still in a recession. Um, when you have a recession, you don't increase taxes, especially not to the people that actually have the capital to reinvest in the economy. You need to give those people all the incentive and all the hope that you possibly can to invest in the economy. Those are the people with the money. The people with the money drive the economy. And uh, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, those are the people that pay the most in taxes as well. And that's the problem. Both sides don't really get it. Um, and, And unfortunately, you know, people are upset at the president because he's daring to compromise. What is the president supposed to do? Okay, let's say let's say I, I buy into this argument. Let's say I uh, let's say I'm one of these guys that says, "Yeah, I don't want any tax breaks for the rich either." So, are you willing then to have the president and all these other people that are filibustering out, out there, like uh, this Bernie Sanders and other guys? Are you willing then to totally just diss? the the <clears throat> the rest of the uh, tax brackets are you willing to diss like 98% of the country just because you can't stand the fact that the upper 2% are 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 still getting a tax cut they're not having their taxes lowered they're just having their tax cut extended beyond this year for probably one more year maybe two more years in a down economy are you willing to tell me that you're willing to let the tax cut expire on the middle class so that their tax rate goes back to what it was several years ago? You're willing to, to allow that to happen in a down economy. You talk about selfish. I mean, that to me seems like the most self. I, I, OK, I can't get what I want. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm just going to take my ball and bat and I'm going to go home. You're not playing it by my rules. Going to go home. Well, then nobody gets to play. And everybody has to be miserable. And that's the problem. Listen, I have no problem. I have no problem fundamentally with the idea that Democrats, uh, you know, they don't want to compromise. Because you elect, if you're a Democrat, you elect Democrats to go and represent you on, on behalf of your ideas. So you don't want them to capitulate. You don't want them to compromise. And if you're a Republican, you elect Republican representatives so that they'll go and they won't back down from their position. So they stand on principle. Look, that's fine, and I totally get that. I totally understand where you're coming from. Fine, get it, completely there with you. Totally understand. But in reality, where we're at right now, there's a decision to be made. There's a path to be taken. Even if you're opposed to a to the continuation of the tax cuts for the rich, you have to understand that these are tax cuts that are across the board, and people need those right now. And as for the unemployment benefits, fundamentally, I'm all for the extension of the unemployment benefits as well, but here's the problem. Then the argument that is used... 
the argument that's out there is, well, we have to extend these unemployment benefits so that it preserves jobs. Huh? Extension of unemployment benefits preserves jobs? Well, I guess in the sense that people are using their unemployment checks to buy things like food so the grocery stores stay in business. And they're paying their rent with their unemployment check, although I don't know how you could pay for both food and rent with it because there's just, you get nothing for unemployment. It's not like you can even sustain yourself on it. So, yeah, so your apartment complex stays in business. So there is a little bit more money being infused in the economy. But you know what it's like? The problem is when you extend, when you continue to extend unemployment benefits, it becomes a snake eating its tail. This becomes a spiral. It becomes a self-consuming sort of economy and the ultimate catch-22. So there can never be any growth because the government is feeding the people which are feeding the government which are feeding the people. And you get into a spiral. And based on our current government's uh, fiscal policy where we just print more money, it's a spiral that eventually leads to the demise of this country. That's the problem. It's an e- it's a very slow economic downturn. But I, I do understand that we need to continue the uh, the unemployment benefits and the, and because people have paid into that. People have paid into unemployment insurance, whether it's an employer, whether it's a self-employed person, or whether it's just a Joe Sixpack guy. You've paid into this. This is your money. The problem is, how long do you continue to extend it? Okay, so let's say we extend it for another six months. Let's say we give you know the people their 99 weeks expire. And so then we extend them another six months. Well, do you think this economy is going to turn around in six more months? Do you think in six months everything's going to be back to how it was uh, back in 2005 when we had 4.6% unemployment, when just about anybody that wanted a job could get a job? When um, the economy was going like gangbusters, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was way up there. Do you think that in six months it's all going to be like that? Well, no. There are people that are still going to need the unemployment benefits beyond six more months. So what are we going to give them six more months? Like, I mean, look, I see both sides of this in the sense that I see that we do need to extend the unemployment benefits to some people. And I don't look at people that accept unemployment as bums. Uh, unlike some people, uh, and some people especially on the right, I don't look at it as these are just bums, they don't want to work. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Do you think people are actually sitting there on their couch collecting unemployment going, man, this is the life, isn't it? 240 bucks a week. Boy, it doesn't get any better than that. 240 whole dollars a week. I can really pay my rent, my electric bill, and food, and feed a family on $240 a week. You really think people think like that? Do you really think that people are sitting there and they're, they're, they're sponging off the government for $240 a week? Are you crazy? At the same time, though. How long do we continue to give people this pittance of $240 a week? For as long as they need it? Two years? Three years? Five years? Do we make it like welfare where people would literally, they would sit on welfare until the Clinton administration came along under the Republican Congress as well. You know, they had a great, uh, they, they worked out a welfare reform. And it worked out, you know, it helped. A lot of people were sitting on welfare and they were collecting money and they were collecting food stamps. They were collecting all this. And uh, and some people were getting multiple welfare checks and committing welfare fraud all across the board. So there was welfare, welfare reformation in this country. And it was good. 
So we need something like that for unemployment as well. But I'm not unsympathetic to people that are unemployed right now. There's, it's a bad economy. And in spite of the fact that economists and the president tell you the recession ended in 2009, it's still going on, people. Unemployment numbers are still 10%, and the actual number is, is much higher than that. One uh, For every job that's available right now, there are five people seeking a job. That is a bad ratio. So you see, I do get it. But the Republicans' point is a good one. Like, at what point, after how many weeks, do we look at cutting off the unemployment benefits? Do we continue for three more months or six more months? So that's what this entire lame duck session of Congress is about. I got to tell you, if it's me, I'm saying yes, extend the unemployment benefits, but we extend them for, all right, let's extend them for another year. Let's go through, you know, people that are, okay, you're on 99 weeks. Okay, we give you 52 more weeks. We give you, so, all right, so you have 151 weeks, which is a totally random number. I don't know why we just don't go to 156 and say, okay, three years in this economy. We say, all right. After that, that's it. Unfortunately, the problem is, is once you start doing that, you keep drawing new lines in the sand and then they say, well, okay, all right, you're right. We're going to have to give in at some point here. But, you know, yes, we do need to extend these benefits a little further. But how much further? See, the libertarian in me doesn't like extending them at all. But, of course, that's just you have to go beyond a, some sort of bizarre philosophy here. This is not just a philosophical issue. This is a, a realistic point of view. So we have to extend this for a little while. That's the lame duck session of Congress. Of course, that's not all. We have the don't ask, don't tell situation, which once again surfaces its ugly head. I don't know why this is a big deal. I, I have to tell you, this is such an easy to resolve issue. You have John McCain out there and, and uh, John Kyle, these guys screaming about don't ask, don't tell, and that we should keep it in place. And you have all these military guys saying we should. Why? Why was don't ask, don't tell even on the map in the first place? Why do we even bother with it in the first place? Makes absolutely no sense. Don't ask, don't tell. It's stupid. It's, it's a failed, completely dumb policy. You know, in Israel, they don't care who serves in their military. They don't care if you're gay. Most countries, they don't care if you're gay. Why? This is, it's such a non-issue, but it's been turned into this big wedge issue. It's a big time political football. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's out there going on and on about this. And this is the thing, you know, Harry Reid was talking about this. And this is, again, something else that the lame duck session of Congress is daring to get into is the idea of don't ask, don't tell. I thought we resolved this a long time ago and we decided that, you know, we're this isn't the, the friggin' 19th century and gay people don't have cooties and you're not going to get gay just by being in a foxhole with a guy that is. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know why this is such a difficult issue for this country. I don't know why we're so short-sighted that we actually care what the sexual preference is of somebody that's serving in the United States military. Somebody that's willing to sacrifice themselves for this country and we're going to go, all right, you're willing to die for this country. Wait, wait a minute. You like people of the same sex? Well, yeah. Oh, well, uh, 
God, you know, we know you're willing to sacrifice yourself, fight and die for your country. But, you know, now that we found out that your your sexual preferences, I mean, like you like people of the same sex. I mean, that's just gross. We can't have you fighting and dying for your country. What? Really? I mean, anybody that would actually say, well, you know, it's a distraction for people that are in a foxhole or it's a distraction if you know somebody, the guy next to you is gay. So then are you distracted when you go to a, to a supermarket and buy groceries? Are you then distracted if you're working at an office job, at a desk job, and, and, and the guy, another guy in the office is gay or a woman in the office is gay? I mean, let's, come on, really? It would bother you that much that while you're sitting there, you're looking through your, your sniper rifle, you're trying to pick off some Al-Qaeda dude, you're going to sit there and you're going to go, you're going to think aloud, well, looking for, looking for some Al-Qaeda here, and boy, show up the guy next to me doesn't want to have butt sex with me. I mean, I don't know. He's, I don't know if he's looking through that sniper rifle or if he's got one eye on me too. I hope not. If you're that obsessed with it, I, I think maybe you might have a problem. Don't you think? The problem with this country is our priorities are all screwed up. You know, while we're sitting here talking about body scanners and losing your, your Fourth Amendment rights. So, you know, the big deal while we were away, uh, the big deal, the, the, the thing that generated a bunch of controversy in this country, did you see this? Was Bristol Palin on that show Dancing with the Stars. Okay, time for me to admit something. Never seen one second of Dancing with the Stars. Never. Not one second, have no interest in, in watching it, no interest ever in viewing that show. I guess celebrities dance with non-celebrities. You get like a dance partner and they have a whole instructor and then you get on the show and you dance and you're judged. I know Tom Bergeron is the host of that show. And they have like a co-host that, uh, what was that woman's name? Uh, Brooke Burke. She's really annoying. I do know that. But I've never sat down and watched Dancing with the Stars. But I know that the big controversy was that Bristol Palin was on there. I guess she's a bad dancer. And they couldn't figure out how it is that she stayed on all the way through. I don't know. Her mom is Sarah Palin. And she's really, really popular. And it's a show that's based on popularity. That's what it is. It's not based on danceability. And this was the thing that was gripping this nation. People were getting upset. Some guy actually shot his TV because Bristol Palin was winning. Other people wrote to the FCC. I'm not making this up. Here's the story. Hundreds of complaints have been filed with the FCC regarding allegations of fraud and various other various other charges against TV stations that carry the show Dancing with the Stars because of Bristol Palin's success on there. They thought that it was just an un, uh, unfair influence and that... Uh, you know, this is capitulating to the Republican Party, and this is, it's, it all goes back to politics. It all goes back to D versus R and one versus zero. I mean, it's, it's the binary thought process of this country, but this is what people were getting wrapped up in. Never mind the fact that you're going, you're, you're getting eye raped at the airport, and that your, your Fourth Amendment is ostensibly out the window. You're worried about whether or not Bristol Palin is is winning on some dopey show on TV. It's unfathomable to me. It's the screwed up priorities of the country. And you wonder why 
you get what you get when you go out when people go and vote and and you get you get these disasters that we have for for congress and for the president and in the supreme court you wonder why this this keeps happening this is from uh springfield illinois where um Many Illinois taxpayers are dodging state and local sales taxes by buying Christmas gifts online. But see, here's the thing, like the state, I guess there's no way that, you know, for them to charge uh, the state and local taxes if you buy online. But the state is hoping to get them uh, to eventually pay those taxes in 2011. See, here's what happened. The state is offering a sales tax amnesty starting from January 1st through October 15th. Now, under legislation passed last year and signed by Governor uh, Pat Quinn, uh, people who bought goods online through the mail or over the phone and didn't pay sales taxes on them between January 20, 2004 and the end of 2010 can now pay what they owe without penalty during that period. So the state says the state is issuing an amnesty saying all right well you know if you bought stuff online or over the phone and you didn't pay the state sales tax on it that you didn't know you had to pay or maybe you did you just decided not to pay it well anyway if you bought anything in the last six years we want you to pay sales tax on it but we're not going to charge you a penalty because we're the state we're being really nice to you about it we're just saying you know if you bought stuff online sure it'd be nice if you paid that sales tax Yeah, right. Like somebody's actually going to do that. The state also plans to offer a more detailed line and uh, worksheet to uh, on state income tax return forms designed to get taxpayers to pay the sales tax they owe on catalog, telephone or online items in which the retailer did not assess sales taxes, said Department of Revenue spokeswoman uh, Sue Hoffer. Under a 1992 U.S. Supreme Court decision, a state cannot require retailers without a physical presence in the state to assess sales taxes on on purchases. Congress has also declined to pass laws requiring that that the taxes be collected. The absence of such laws raises two concerns among retailers and state and local governments. Governments believe that they are losing out on tax revenues. Retailers with uh, brick-and-mortar stores believe that they are at a competitive disadvantage with catalog online and telephone retailers. So, of course, a bunch of these companies, they say, well, yeah, I mean, if if we're a local company, then they're not going to come to us. They're going to go online and buy stuff. Well, that's too bad. It's that's it's called being in the 21st century, guys. Just going to have to deal with it. All right, look, we got to take a break. Got a lot of stuff still to talk about, a lot of things still to get to. You know how we do it here, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It's also our PayPal address. You can contribute monetarily to this program, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email. Uh, AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name is Michael Groff Show. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And um, our chat channel is always available to you as well over there on IRC. All of this information and more is available at the one, the only michaelgroff.com it is all up and available to you so you are uh, you're welcome to participate in that all right all right we'll come back uh, we'll get into another segment i have still a lot to get to uh we've got to talk about well we've got to do the pop chart we've got to look at the uh, top 10 songs in the world of pop music so we'll get to that and 
I have a bunch of listener messages and email that I want to get to because I did promise that I would get to that. There's been so much stuff. A lot of people have written to us and uh, I want to at least get to most of it. I did promise I would get to it. And I always say I respond to all of the uh, stuff. Whether I, I may not necessarily respond off the air. I may not write you a note back, although I try to. Uh, but I always respond to it in some form or another, whether it's on the air or off the air or both. I should just sit down and just start writing people. A quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll have the third and final segment. Put a bow on this broadcast. It's probably going to be a long segment still. You know how that goes. We always say we're going to wrap it up and make it quick, but, you know, it never turns out that way. All right. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. We'll be back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. This is Tom Bodhead. For a new motel chain you've probably been hearing about. Yep, Motel Sex, affectionately known as the Paris Hilton, is now officially open for the holidays. As you can probably tell by these sleigh bells, I'm shaking. And this ain't your daddy's hotel chain. With bedside condom dispensers in every room and a room service menu offering over 40 different diseases, it probably isn't your mommy's either. In fact, you may want to keep both mommy and daddy out of the loop altogether when you spend a sleepless night in one of our not-so-clean but comfortably dark rooms, each one equipped with its own night vision-capable video camera and sex toy minibar. Make you forget all about that nasty red carpet with the mysterious crusty stains. Aw, oh, crap, I, I dropped it again. Uh, Paris, honey, could you bend over and pick up the sleigh bells again for your Uncle Tom? <laughs> we play this game a lot. So anyway, this holiday season, send your wife and kids to Grandma's house and bring your mistress to the Paris Hilton. Heck, you might even spot its namesake, Paris herself here, pursuing the simple life in our extra-large hot tub, along with half the Notre Dame rugby team. Heck, I even did her myself a couple times, and it was pretty good, but wouldn't do it again. But that's all water under the bit bridge. Anyway, I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the hoe out for you. segment of the zip code famous michael grab show for a monday december the 13th 2010 and now yes uh as of five days ago i'm 33 years old oh my god i was 22 when i started doing this show you know that that's crazy but that is sort of what happened. All right. Yeah, I've gotten old. You're only old as you feel, though, so I guess I'm only about 106. 
true. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. No, I feel pretty good actually right now. Beer will do that to you. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Also, our PayPal address for your monetary contributions to this program. Not to mention... You can always send us an instant message, AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name Michael Grav Show. Coming up later on in the program, in just a few minutes, we'll get you the uh, with some messages and even a slice of hate mail that somebody sent. Gotta love that. Alright, that's coming up. But first, I think it's only appropriate that we do this now. It is... Uh, well, it's a feature that we like to get to uh, at least once a week here on the program where uh, we check out the the happenings. Reluctantly, we do this. I don't really know why we do this. I like to torture myself. I am a bit masochistic at heart. Actually, that's what somebody says in the email. We'll get to that. It's time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of uh, contemporary hit radio. You know it as Top 40 Music, the pop chart. So we take a look. These are the 10 most played songs on Top 40 radio stations across the country. The songs that are getting the most airplay. All right. And what a surprise. Rihanna is on the chart again. I haven't heard most of these songs, so uh, you'll be just as surprised as I am by them. I mean, some of these uh, have been on the chart forever, but this is a new one. This is Rihanna at number 10 with What's My Name. What's my name? Oh, no, no. What's my name? You good with them soft lips? Yeah. Yeah, you know word of mouth. Uh-huh. Square root of 69 is eight something, right? Because I've been trying to work it out. Uh, the square root of 69 is eight something. Okay. Well, now I've heard it all in music. Then we have on is the radio. Oh, let it play. Say you gotta leave, but I know you wanna stay. You just waiting on the traffic jam to finish, girl. Things that we can do in 20 minutes, girl Say my name, say my name Wear it out It's getting hot, crack a window Air it out I can get you through a mighty long day Soon as you go, the text that I write is gonna say Oh, Wow. That is really awful. Yeah. Wow, and that's only number 10. You know, it's only going to get worse from here. Holy cow. All right. Uh, do we want to continue? The po- I'm amazed that music continues to get exponentially worse. The square root of 69 is 8-something. At least right. Number nine is Mike Posner with Please Don't Go. Yeah, you got me begging, begging, baby, please don't go. If I wake up tomorrow, will you 
song. All right, everybody's favorite, Bruno Mars, is at uh, number eight. This is the latest from. That's that guy uh, I, that, that does all the soft uh, piano sort of wussy stuff. Not like good piano wussy stuff though. I haven't heard this song yet either though. This is called. I know I've been out of the music loop a little bit. This is Grenade, number eight. That's just how you live Oh, take, take, take it all But you never give Should've known you was trouble From the first kiss Had your eyes wide open Why were they open? Gave you my head And you tossed it in the trash You tossed it in the trash You did Wish I tossed this in the trash East Movement is at number seven with Like a G6. Like a blizzard. When we drink, we do it right. Getting slizzard, sipping scissor in my ride. Huh. Like three six. Now I'm feeling so fly. Like a G6. Number six, Bruno Mars is still on the chart with this song. This has been on the chart for like uh, like 118 million weeks. This is uh, Just the Way You Are. This song was number one. I think this was number one for seven weeks, six or seven weeks. By the way, uh, this song gets played an average of 60.3 times per week on top 40 radio stations across the country. It's still getting 60 plays a week. So, you know, you're not going to get sick of it yet, right? to stick through the hook. I really don't. All right. Uh, at number five, it's Katy Perry with Firework. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag Drifting through the wind Wanting to start again Sounds like every other song. Do you feel Feel so paper thin Like I'm a house of cards I like it. Do you ever feel Already buried deep Six feet under screens with no Read this piece of hate mail. I like how she rhymes firework with worth. It's clever. 
four on the pop chart this week. It is Kesha. Yes, Kesha with a dollar sign. We are who we are. And please note, R is used just as the letter. Hot and dangerous. If you're one of us, then roll with us. Cause we Wait, a song by... When we got our hot pants on and up. And yes... Hold on, a Kesha song that starts out with her talking. And let me guess, it's then going to go into a hook where she sings and then more talking and then a hook and then like a weird sort of interlude in the middle and then back to the hook. Of course we does. We run in this town just like a club and no, you don't want to mess with us. Got Jesus on my necklace. Uh, oh. Got that glitter oh. on my eyes. Holy crap. Stockings ripped all up the side. <laughs> Looking sick and sexified. <laughs> so let's go. Oh, oh. Let's go. Tonight we're going hard, 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 hard. Just like the world is ours, 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 ours. We're tearing it apart, 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 apart. You know we're superstars. Yeah. We are who we are. Uh. Holy crap, this is really bad. DJ, turn it up. It's about damn time to live it up. I'm so sick of being so serious. It's making my brain delirious. I'm just talking truth. I'm telling you about the shit we do. We're selling our toes, sleeping in curs, dressing it down. Curs. She says curs, and she's another one of those chicks that says durr. An ur buddy. Hey, Homer, you sure do suck tonight. Yeah. Okay, I can't take I, I can't take it. I can't take it. Okay. All right, you win, Kesha. That's the worst song. I You know that remember how we did that rant about Nicki Minaj and how that was the worst song I'd ever heard? That that song uh I don't even remember the name of it. It's a whole bit we even have it up on YouTube, that whole rant that, that I did about Nicki Minaj. Okay, found a song worse. Found a song worse. There it is. That is really we gotta analyze that song. There are some bad songs on this chart. I mean that those Rihanna song, that Rihanna song is horrible. That song, that grenade song by Bruno Mars, that is that's terrible. The Katy Perry song is it's it's pedestrian bad, but this was just this was god awful. My ears, I'm actually experiencing tinnitus from that song. All right, at number three, it's uh, I don't know how I'm going to even recover, but at number three, it's Nelly. Well, this song's been on the chart for quite a while, too, but uh, this is this is another song. Uh, this is uh, Just a Dream by Nelly. Uh, uh, oh, uh, about, 
number two. Rather apropos that it's at number two because it is Rihanna with Only Girl in the World. I know this sounds just like the other Rihanna song, but it is a different song. I swear it's different. Basically, like three people own the entire top ten. Bruno, Bruno Mars, Rihanna, and Kesha. I mean, come on. I mean, unless you're at a party, unless. Unless you're grinding on a chick at a club or something, there's no way you can find this good. Nobody sits in their house and turns his music on and goes, you know, this is good stuff. Hey, you know, I, I really want to listen to this. I'm, I, this, uh, this gives me amusement. Nobody does that. All right, here's the number one song in the nation. Are you ready for the? I, I wow. All right, the number one song in the country, which I will tell you is averaging it's it's a eighty eight point two plays per week. Now, eighty eight point two plays a week is uh, that's that's about every what hour and fifty minutes or something like that. Uh, the song is getting played on radio stations all on top forty radio stations all across the country. Here it is. Let's do it. The number one song in the nation, the most played song on top 40 radio stations is... It's Pink. Raise Your Glass. Right, right, turn off the lights. We gonna lose our minds tonight. What's the dealio? What's the dealio? I love when it's all too much. 5 a.m. turn the radio up. Where's the rock and roll? That's your pop chart for the week. Shoot, just freak out. Freak out Can't stop coming in hot. Thanks to uh, Pink uh, for providing the music for this program. It's not a very good sub, but at least, I mean, it's, I guess it's the best of this group of songs, and that's sort of an indictment. Yeah. There you have it. That's your uh, number one song of the week. Uh, 88.2 spins per week on uh, top 40 radio stations. Pink. Raise your glass. All right. Why don't we just transition from one very painful thing uh, into another? 
We haven't done this in a while. It's time to go uh, out to the uh, listener messages, the feedback and everything. We've uh, we've certainly gotten quite a bit of it. And I did promise. I did promise I would uh, get to some of the uh, listener comments. So I don't want to be a liar. So I better do that. If we don't get to them all here tonight, I will get to the rest of them, okay? I swear. All right, first up, I guess I'll, I'll do the positive stuff first. These are all uh, these are all uh, messages I've either gotten on uh, Facebook or um, email or Messenger, whatever. Anyway, so this is from Ryan who uh, writes, Mike... I just listened to the podcast uh, and had to stop what I was doing to send you some feedback. I don't think your listeners... I don't think your listeners don't care about the hardships you're going through. I think that people do care about the kind of bull... Well, BS you're going through. Uh, Quite frankly, there are times I feel there is no justice in the world. You're down and out now, and I think many can relate to that. As a long-time listener, I know I can. When should you give up? That's a hard question. I'm going through something similar now myself. I know that it's like... I know what it's like to reconsider your career, and it's a hard game. You've worked so hard for something, and you keep getting the shaft. I can really relate to that. Honestly, though, I don't think you should give up. I know I'm not... uh, I'm not an executive, and you probably just consider me some dumbass fan, but I definitely think you've got talent and passion. I think that it will go recognized if you continue. However, everyone has to pay their bills, and it's understandable that you are frustrated. I had a subscription to Satellite Radio for almost two years, and I honestly thought that some of the guys uh, on those talk shows sucked ass. A lot of them couldn't hold a candle to your show. That's just my opinion. Uh, He goes on to say, um, being trampled on for taking the high road is something I've become accustomed to. If you don't lie and, uh, he writes the whole word here, BS your way through life, you often get the shaft. It's difficult to see that other people cheat and lie and do... um, shady things and get ahead and still pursue and I still pursue the high road. But I think eventually taking the provincial road less traveled or the proverbial road uh, less traveled will be better for you in the end. Sorry to write you a book but I really do think you've got an awesome show and you do have a great deal of talent and I think that if everyone tunes in to hear you they'll know that. Good luck to you in your rough time. Just remember, you do have people behind you and people that will support you, including us fans. That's from Ryan. And that was just, that was one of the very, was a very sweet message I got. Very nice. And I hope that whatever BS he's going through, I, I hope that, you know, he sort of figures it out. He sent me a... He sent me nice messages before as well. And I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, I don't just look at you as a dumbass fan. I Listen, anybody that sends me feedback, whether it's positive or negative, 
you know, I take it all under consideration. I really do. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I... Uh, I wanted to make sure that I, I got it out there. I wanted to make sure that I got to the feedback from the uh, from the listeners. Here's uh, one from Sandra who says, Well, I missed the podcast. I thought after listening to the one where you were talking about hanging it up that you sounded depressed, and that's okay. But you shouldn't be depressed after just one rejection. As an artist, and I know I'm a good one, I have had nothing but rejections for the past five years. Every time I tried to get into a gallery, about 100 of them. But if I let it get to me, I would be hanging, I would be hanging mummified in a closet somewhere. You took that, you took that much too personally, but it's good for you uh, that it's, wait, it's, but it's good you are listening to your girl. You are a good radio guy. Seem to be a good guy overall. So I hope you get back with it soon. I do understand that small, uh, that small niggling problem called earning a living. Before you need to take off the time, uh, she asked. Actually, she says, uh, she says maybe you need to take off the time to set up house and start a family. Uh, you will come. Roaring back with uh, fresh perspective. Believe me, I only started painting seriously after my kids were born and haven't stopped since. Best of luck. That's from Sandra. Um, she's been a longtime listener. She's, uh, I guess, Italian. And she just, uh, and by the way, I just want to make this clear. You know, I wasn't down because of just one rejection. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life, you know, and I, I still have a lot going on. But it wasn't just run one rejection. Although in that case, it was a situation. And, and they're talking about uh, my most recent excursion to Florida where I had a job interview. It was one of those things where it seemed like I pretty much had the job in my hands. And I was pretty much mine to lose. And somehow I managed to lose it. And uh, there really wasn't a, a tangible explanation given. Except I, I wasn't passionate enough. And then if you listen to this show. And if you listen to me. And you listen to me talk about radio. And you listen to me talk about news. You listen to me talk about politics and commentary. And all that kind of stuff. And you come away from that thinking I don't have passion. I don't know who you are. I don't know how you could ever think that. But it wasn't just one rejection. But Sandra your comments are really appreciated. And I really thank you. And, and she's donated to the show before and everything. So I really do appreciate that. Here's another guy. It uh, says, uh, hey, Mike, I don't know if I have anything constructive to offer you in your career uh, um, or soul searching. Uh, it says, I just want you to know I'm a major fan who will miss your show should you decide to pursue another track in life. That being said, I and the rest of your fans, I'm sure, understand that your happiness and well-being in life have to be a priority. Hoping to continue hearing your show or the podcast of a new show for a long time to come. That's uh, Mike from Washington. Very sweet message. Here's another one. Just have to say, I absolutely love the podcasts. I've listened to them for the last several months. I just accidentally happened to stumble upon them while looking for another show on iTunes. Perhaps one of the best shows I've ever found. You have a great voice. You have a great sound. Your show sounds very professional. I was surprised to hear that it's not on syndication you're a major talent your show is incredible i listen to it in the car and i'm long road trips and i'm going back and listening to older shows as well you rock keep it up and uh, that's from danielle mike just wanted to congratulate you on such a great show 
I discovered you a couple years ago and have been hooked ever since. When your show went off the air for a while, I was really bummed, but uh, was relieved to find it resurfaced in podcast form. I laughed so hard at your various takes on music, TV themes. Uh, oh my God, what a great show that was. And your best of shows. I really like listening to that material that you put out from an era that was before my time. And uh, I hope you put more of that up soon. I know your show has been absent again for a bit. And I hope that whatever is happening, that it all works out for you. If anyone deserves it, it would be you. You're a real talent. I listen to a lot of talk shows and podcasts. And yours is truly among one of the best ever. I'm sure a lot of people tell you that, and maybe you don't agree or just aren't seeing the results you would like to, but it is truly tremendous. In any event, I really hope to hear your shows again, and even though I don't agree with you 100% of the time, you are the most reasoned, sound mind in broadcasting, and I think a hell of a stand-up guy, too. Have a great one. Keep, up the, uh, keep us up to date. That is, of course, from my mom. No, actually, that's from uh, Stephen. It sounds like something my mom would write. I don't agree with you 100% of the time, no, don't you know? But, you know, this show is really good, and, you know, I'm making soap. Do you want some? So that was very nice. All right, it wasn't all uh, lollipops and rainbows, though. Uh, Chris sent me the following, and this is, uh, you'll forgive me, this is a bit of a novella, so it's going to take a little while to get through this, but... Here is a good piece of vitriolic hate mail. Now, we haven't had this in a while. And ever since I started doing the live show, or when I, when I was doing the live show, back in the days when I was doing the live show, probably about 20 to 25% of the email that I would receive would be sort of this hate mail kind of stuff. And uh, even the hate mail that I got, though, I mean, some of it was constructive. Now, yes, some of it was just people wishing that I would get cancer or AIDS or various genital diseases or have something very bad happen to my family or something or, you know, death threats or whatever it was. So and 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 then you'd get that email where people would go, I you said this. And because you said something, you know, because you said X, I'm never listening again. You know, you get that. And then two weeks later, they'd be back to tell you. Then my other favorite piece of hate mail was always the one that goes, I just happened to tune into your show and I heard this and it's people like you that do this. And then they proceed to tell me how they just found me. And yet then they tell me like 48 reasons why I suck with references to shows that go years back and blah, blah, blah. Well, this has its own kind of unique category. This is pure anger right here. And I mean, you can just hear it. In, it it's like a sarcastically written angry piece of email but here it is this is from chris who writes though i'm not particularly sure why i bother i thought i would offer up a different perspective on your show truthfully i'm a bit masochistic your show grades on me in a way that very few possibly can but let it be said that i am not one to shy away from something that is different from my own perspective i actually came across you a few years ago and even had a couple conversations on aim with you I was pretty sure you were either somewhat crazy and most assuredly a raving moron. I'm not saying this just to be shocking or offensive. I really feel that your little bit of knowledge is like giving a 357 to a five-year-old. At the risk of rambling like you, I'll get to my point. 
Aside from your halfway articulate style of communication and your faux voice that you seem to think is somewhat smooth, your presentation is, at best, representative of amateur hour at a comedy club or maybe small market radio. I can't stand Rush Limbaugh, but at least that pilled out freak can make a point and rub three coherent sentences together, which is a lot more than I can say for you. Even when you do make some semblance of a point based on, quote, facts, which you may have blindly stumbled upon or stolen from someone else, I always feel as if I'm totally wrong if I agree with even one point you make. I do laugh at your show, but it's more at your half-hearted or half-assed attempts at humor than anything else. As if your news and political commentaries aren't painful enough, then you drift into your own personal diatribes. You talk about yourself? Who honestly cares? You wonder why you don't have a better job than some second-rate podcast? Because no one wants to hire someone that is about as informed as a first-grader about the world, who thinks that some utopian, half-assed, libertarian philosophies which have never proven themselves practical in human history can possibly be brought into reality. Moreover, a semi-articulate, unattractive doofus from Arizona isn't going to really appear to the masses. Now, I know you'll say some witty rejoinder like, what do you look like? Fair enough. But I don't put myself out there in the public either. Well, actually, you kind of did when you emailed me. But anyway, although it's hard to call a show heard by nine people public, I guess so maybe you've got me there. Another mystery about you is how you could have ever had a girlfriend. Yeah, I know it's a personal attack, but I'm sincere in this question. I suppose you have a halfway decent voice, so that might lure them in. But it can't be based on your intelligence. It certainly isn't your looks, and most definitely isn't for the fact that you have a successful career. My God, man, I'm surprised you don't hang yourself. I mean, really, what have you to live for? Maybe you have an enormous penis and therefore a woman will stick around. But based on your occasional over-the-top bravado and lack of fortitude to dare even read something critical of yourself, such as this, I doubt you even have that. So I'm sure you'll ask, why do you listen if you hate me so much? I have heard you do this before. Truthfully, I don't listen that often. Your anecdotes about radio, your various bits referencing obscure people or out-of-date pop cultural references or your thoughts on the music business are really of little interest to me. See, this is one of those guys that says that he never listens or he very rarely listens, but then he's referencing all this various stuff that I do. Anyway, oddly enough, I do actually agree with you about the sad state of music, but I heard you play the piano on your show, and let's just say that I don't think you should be quitting your day job anytime soon if you even have a day job what do you do this show can't honestly make you any money and if it does then perhaps i ought to hang myself seriously i listen to opposing views and uh even if they come across from small-minded racists such as yourself Maybe you're not racist, but your continued rants against Obama, Oprah, and Sherry Shepard are pretty brazen. Again, this is a guy that doesn't listen, but he hears me talk about Oprah and Obama and Sherry Shepard. Then again, in the latter case, Sherry Shepard, if you don't know that the world is round and maybe you do deserve to be made fun of, 
even if it is by a third-rate talk show host. Really, though, shouldn't a basic qualification for a talk show host be that they actually are able to talk? You, sir, can barely do that without stammering all over yourself like a drunk at closing time. Feel free to ignore this message as it points out the obvious and constructive elements of yourself. Oh, yeah, this is very constructive. I won't lie and say I won't listen again, but hopefully you and people like yourself just disappear, please. That's from Chris. So there you have it. That is a uh, that is a little bit of a uh, piece of, well, as he calls it, constructive uh, piece of uh, email, uh, a constructive piece to criticize me. But, uh, you know, all I can really say to that is, um, I, I mean, that's just such anger. It's such vitriol. And really, there's not a lot of constructive criticism there. I guess I'm inarticulate. I can barely put together three coherent sentences. Uh, his sentences were a little bit interesting. There was certainly some... Very interesting choices of words there, although he didn't curse at me, so good for him. But that was just, uh, again, pure vitriol, pure anger. A guy that doesn't listen very often, but is referencing a lot of bits and a lot of things that I do on my show. Clearly, he's listened for a long time. If it's a he, it's actually Chris spelled with a K, which means it might be a chick. I can't imagine a chick is that mad at me. How would I have? Yeah. How could I ever possibly get a get a girl? I don't know. You're right. I'm a complete loser. I do have a big one, though. He did get that part right. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Um, so there you go. That's your. That's a look at the. Uh, that's a look at the email. Mike at kmgx.com. You can always send us an email that way. It's Mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Always up and available to you, twenty four seven, three sixty five. We uh, we do dare to endeavor. You know, I should almost just go back and break that down. It is weird when a guy is, not only did he criticize my show and the way I articulate myself, which is perfectly fine. You're totally allowed to criticize a talk show host on the way they talk. I would much rather prefer that you criticize me based on what I say. And he did mention my, my what did he call it? My utopian half-assed libertarian philosophies. Again, you must have listened for a little while to know that I'm a libertarian. It does sort of shoot his argument in the foot, doesn't it? But it's weird when a guy, not only does he criticize me for my points of view, the way I speak, my voice, but he also criticizes my looks, whether or not my, my personal life, and, and if anybody really cares about my personal life. Well, obviously you do because you're listening and commenting on it. And really, the point is not whether or not who cares about it. I care. It's my show. So if I care about something, I'm going to bring it to the forefront. I don't know why I'm giving this guy any kind of time to begin with. But of course, I also love the the point of, you you know, you're not uh, daring enough. You're not bold enough to read this. I read anything. Do you know the kind of crap I've read on the the only things I got to tell you about the only email I've never read on the air? Um... There was uh, there's a couple of times where somebody, you know, mentioned uh, my mother or something like that. Like somebody brought in my family and they sent me like 42 emails of that. And I just decided that it wasn't even worth giving that person the time of day to put that on the air. But just about anything else. I mean, I've read emails on the air where somebody wished I got cancer. Um, 
where somebody else said they were going to kill me. I mean, you know, I've certainly done all that. So I'm not one to shy away from any email or any criticism, any instant messages or anything like that. So I'm always open to those kind of conversations. Frankly, though, I know a guy like that would never say those kinds of things to my face. I know that people like that, they, they can hide behind email or they can hide behind messenger. But, you know, if I ever met that guy in person, he'd be like, you know, man, you're cool. I, I you know, I, I think I think it's a good show and I think you're a, a good guy and, you know, you're a, a, whatever. You know, people like that. That's exactly what happens every time uh, you go to meet people like that. Um the same thing happens. Hell, we had, there was a couple of guys that were big, big time harsh critics of this show. One guy is still on my Facebook page, a guy from Canada, big time harsh critic. You know, he would say some really nasty things to me, really nasty. But then when I'd get him on the phone, never. He was only nice to me. The, the guy was like super, just like a really nice guy and, you know, would never say anything bad to me on the phone, never would get confrontational with me. That's how those people are when you get them sort of in a, in a more personal setting where they, there's instant feedback, where there's sort of an instant, uh, where there's a dialogue that's going back and forth. People like that, though, they don't know what to do. When they can't hide behind email, they get confused, so they don't, they don't know what to do. It's just sad. It really is. People like that in general are just really sad. Bums me out. All right. That's it. That's our show. See, we're back with a vengeance. What is this? What was this? About a a five-hour show? Feels like it. All right. We probably will be back with another show tomorrow. I mean, I don't know, but I'm just going to guess. The guy criticized everything. I'm surprised he didn't criticize the uh, the imaging and the uh, and the music that we use. Surprised. He might as well. I mean, he got out his shotgun. I mean, that guy really let us have it, didn't he? Meanwhile, still listening. Chris, you're still listening. Chris with a K. Very manly. Chris with a K, you're still listening. So, uh... What does that say about you? What does it say about somebody? And again, I listen to guys that I disagree with, but again, I'm pretty open-minded. What does that say about you if you're so angry that you can't even write me an email and be a, a civil human being? And yet you dare cast stones at me. Oh, that's interesting. All right, um back tomorrow. Thank you so much for checking us out. I really do appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback. I think there's still a couple other things I wanted to get to in terms of that, so we'll we'll do that another show. Lots more stuff to talk about. It's crazy, folks. We're still uh, we're coming up on Christmas. I have a bunch of stuff from the Michael Grab Show Stupid News File. A lot of people died when we were on our hiatus. I mean, just a lot of stuff to talk about. Still to come on the next edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grab Show. Have a great night, everybody. See you next time. Uh, it's late. I think I'm going to go to sleep. Good night, everybody.